Welcome to The Next Track, a podcast about how people listen to music today. I'm Doug Adams. And I'm Kirk McElhern. You can find episode show notes, past episode archives, and listener discussions at our website, thenexttrack.com. And in between episodes, follow us on Twitter at NextTrackCast. Last year, we did a, a, a beginning of the year podcast where we talked about some of the things we were going to look forward to in the next year. I don't think it was necessary New Year's resolutions, although I do recall making a New Year's resolution. And um, this episode, we're going to talk about the past year in our personal lives, uh, what what we did with music. And I, we each made a list, and hopefully some of those things will intersect. But anyway, like I said, I know I made a New Year's resolution this year. I wanted to play more music. <laughs> Listeners can't see you. You had that look with your hands on your forehead. <laughs> I know I made a New Year's resolution, but I can't remember what it was. No, it was. I remember what it was. It's just I'm ashamed that I did not fulfill it, and it was to play more music, and it, which is a shameful thing because I grew up playing a lot of music, and you know, musical instruments were just second nature to me. And so I thought. I thought at the time I said, "Well, you know, I'll, I'll rig up GarageBand and I'll set up a few jam tracks oh, and play I can just, some more you know, music as a musician." Yeah. Literally play more. Not music. Play more yes. as playing iTunes. No, no, no. Okay. That's I, it's impossible to play more recorded music. I mean, it's on all the time. Okay. But I mean, stop doing that for a second. Pick up a guitar and strum it for a few minutes. Well, I did not touch any musical instrument this year to make it go. Even though there's a guitar right behind you. There's a guitar right behind me. I've got a MIDI keyboard ready to roll whenever I have to do any any music recording. I'm I'm ready to go. I'm all set. But I did not, I, not as much as a kazoo or, 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 or a, a mouth harp. I mean, nothing. Um, I, I'm, I'm ashamed to admit it because, uh, you know, this is a thing. That's a thing I used to do like, like people can swim or, you know, people can run. I used to play music all the time, and I, I'm so disappointed in myself. I found back in the past, when I was young, that playing music was a social experience. I had other friends who played music, so we'd get together, we'd all have guitars, and we'd play. Or someone else would have some other instrument, or someone would have a drum kit in a garage, and we'd just get together and play. As we get older, we don't necessarily see our friends every day. My solution to that, and we've talked about it a couple times on the show, is learning to play the shakuhachi. It'll be two years in a couple of months, and I've made progress. It's a very slow instrument to master, I mean, I'm far from mastering, but getting past the first stages of making a sound reliable, getting up to the second octave, this is a long process. It's taught me a lot about patience and frustration. I did get two new shakuhachis this year, one of them by Kodama Hiroyuki, who is my shakuhachi hero, and another one by a guy named Jose Vargas in Madrid, who learned how to make shakuhachis from Kodama. He's a very good friend with him. It's, it's one of these instruments that they are so unique that the shape of the bamboo means that each one is different. I mean, there are actually some wooden shakuhachis that are all exactly the same shape, but other than that, they're unique. And there's something really interesting compared to a guitar or violin or any other instrument I've played. There's something interesting about the shakuhachi as, as an object. And I showed you recently the one I just got that, that has this curve at the end. It's, it's a really nice aesthetic instrument. So, I was just going to say, aesthetically, it's very pleasing yeah. to, to look uh, at. I mean, it is. It's pleasing to look yeah. at. And so I've been doing that this year. I guess I'm really a dilettante because I don't like practice two hours a day. Yeah, but well, you, you're you still doing a podcast about Chakahachi, right? No. 
No. Oh, you, st- you stopped doing that one? I never or did a podcast about Shakuhachi. I thought you did. Well, you've no, got a I website a, for it. No, I do a podcast about Zen, but I do have a website about Shakuhachi. That's what it is. Like, you've got so many things going on, I can't keep I'll put that. a link in the show notes to anyone yeah. who hasn't discovered my Zen podcast called The Zen of Everything with Jundo Cohen, who's a real Zen teacher, and me, I know a little bit about Zen. Right, and you've got a, a website dedicated to the To the Shakuhachi. I'll put a link in the show notes to that as well. Yeah. And on that website, I've just been basically posting the occasional thing about my learning experience, because as a learning experience, when we get to our age, I think it's good to learn something new. That's what I was thinking. My, 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 the thing that I admire about this is not only did I not pick up an old instrument and, and learn it uh, and, and play it, I didn't pick up a new instrument. And that's a thing I used to do all the time as well. You, you would pick up a, a, a you know, you, you play the guitar, you say, well, let me try that banjo thing, or let me try that mandolin thing, or let me, you know, or can I try the drums while you're having a cigarette outside? Um, I don't get a chance to do that either. So I admire that you've, you know, taken on this. It's it's not a Western instrument. It's not an easy no, instrument to play. It's not. It has a whole, has a whole different way of doing yeah. it. Yeah. And uh, so it's you're right. When you get older, taking on these little projects, I think, are, are, are good for the good for your mind and your soul. One of the problems with musical instruments is there aren't that many that can be played solo, or at least that have an, a, a sizable solo repertoire. So if I were to take up flute, I could play some solo music. There's you know Bach wrote some solo flute pieces and a few other composers, but there's not enough of a repertoire. Right, you need some buddies. You need to sit down with a guitar player or a piano player or something like that. Yeah. And it's not just finding people who play; it's finding people who play the same style as you, with the same attitude toward playing. You, you know how it is. You can't jam on Ripple. <laughs> well, you can jam on Ripple if you get a mandolin. Which got, but, no, I mean you can't do it by yourself. You need right. Okay, another, yeah. You need a pal to, yeah. you know, whatever it is. Bef- you know, we missed like the most important thing in our year in music is that we gave up on the next track podcast for a couple months and then we came back. <laughs> Did you forget about that? Well, uh, it's I consider that the interregnum. It's the uh, it's like it was just a little break. So I don't think. Well, of, it well, was initially planned to be more or less permanent yeah i guess I think so. we both agree that we didn't say we're going to take a break we just said we were going to stop and we came back because we missed we got it bored not doing it yeah yeah basically yeah that's yeah. what it was yeah well that's true that was it you know and while that while that was going on um while we weren't while it wasn't going on <laughs> while that wasn't going on you still weren't playing any music I, yeah, exactly but i mean i remember while that was going on while that was happening I bought a whole bunch of gear, and I remember talking about it later, but it wasn't much audio gear, but that's when I bought the Mac Mini and a new uh, monitor and did all kinds of... Bought a, I bought a great oh, 1080p mon- uh, camera for my, for my Mac Mini monitor setup, because I have to use a monitor, it doesn't have an internal camera, and it doesn't work with Skype. <laughs> it's, it's well, just, it works, but it delays the audio yeah. for some reason. Right, it's just... It's, it's true that you looked more... You looked more real with that 1080p camera yeah, yeah. than the one that we're using now in your iMac, but it just yeah. caused problems. It took a while to find what the cause was, too. That was very awkward. But it's funny about, you know, the podcast itself has actually become sort of a music event because we have to have the gear. We have musical gear. We use microphones and preamps and mixers and recording software and stuff like that. It's not that different from, you know, what a musician does, really. And so... I, I I haven't bought any new microphones, but I've I've 
tried to make it much more comfortable and much more of a natural environment when when we record stuff. So the mic stand is now a permanent part of my desk, and actually two or three of them are. Um, and so every time I have to think about orienting my gear, I have to think, oh, you're not only doing coding and developing and web things and all that stuff, you've got to be able to record stuff too. So it's been an interesting way to integrate it into uh, you know what I do day to day. Well, I do a number of podcasts. Yeah. So for me, this stuff has to be here permanently. I did buy a new microphone this year. I'm using a Rode Procaster now. I bought a new mixer. It's a Yamaha AG03. I was going to say A603. It's a really nifty little device. It sits on my desk. Previously, I had a DBX, what is it, 328, 378, whatever it is, the thing that everyone uses. It's like a rack-mounted thing, so it was off on the side. I couldn't reach it when I needed to make changes. So this is a lot better. And I think we discussed at one point during the year how I minimalized my office. My desk is pretty much clear. And so what I do is I take the microphone. It's on a stand that sits on the desk, a really heavy stand. And I just put it behind my iMac when I'm not using it, so I don't see it. And the mixer goes behind as well. So they're both out of the way. And so I keep my desk clear, uh, except when I'm podcasting. As part of my minimalizing project earlier this year, one thing that I did is I bought a new amplifier, and we did a whole episode about my Sonos amp, so I'll just link to that. I bought two pairs of new speakers because speakers on my desk and speakers in the other part of my office where I listen in the comfy chair, it had been a while, and I hate to say it, I was just tired of black speakers. So I bought two white speakers. The ones on my desk are Q Acoustic 300-something, and the bigger ones on the other are Kef, I think, one, I don't remember the exact. I'll put links in the show notes to what they are. And the HomePods. You got you, you bought a bevy of HomePods. Well, but no, I, I that was before this year. Was it really? A, yeah. I bought the first HomePod when it came out, and then when they introduced the stereo pair feature, which they initially announced, but it wasn't in the initial release, a few months later, I bought a second one to be able to test it and write about it. And, and that wasn't this year? That no, was last year? No, that was... That was Hold on. I'm going to check in my accounting software. I'm going to be able to tell you. The first HomePod was February 2018, and the second was May 2018. Wow, really? It seems like they've only been around for, oh, well, uh, what do I know? For one Christmas. Yeah. (laughs) Which is the case. They've only been around for one Christmas. It's that they came out early in the year. They were delayed. I think they were supposed to come out before Christmas initially. So, yeah. So I do have new gear, microphone, mixer, speakers, amplifier, but... In the recent Black Friday sale, I was looking, and I, there's nothing I want. There's nothing I need, at least musically. I bought a vacuum cleaner. We discussed that privately. Oh, well, that can be musical. It, it can be. You know, Chunga's Revenge by Frank Zappa <laughs> is about a vacuum cleaner. S- Sonata for harpsichord and vacuum cleaner. Pretty much. Kind of like that. You talk about minimalize, minimize, minimalizing? Isn't that what we said? Minim- I say minimalizing. It's Minimal. not a real word, but right. if I say it, that makes it a word. We've been forced into a sort of minimalizing here. Now, last Christmas, my wife bought uh, a Amazon Echo, right? Is that what it is? Is that what it's called? Yeah. And Ostensibly just because she want, we wanted to be able to control the lights, and that was the cheapest solution. I, my wife did it. I didn't. I was not consulted. So she got one of these, and they're like 30 bucks or whatever they are. And it's, we've got it in the kitchen. And it turns out that it's, it's very effective for playing internet radio. And that's what she uses it for. She listens to Radio France obsessively. And it, hey, Alexa, play FIP from TuneIn, and boom, she, we've got it. Now, that means that that's the only music that she listens to in the kitchen. 
she doesn't take advantage of the airplay system that I've set up. She probably doesn't know about it. Well, no, she does know about it, but it's it doesn't have anything to do with listening to Radio France on you know it, it, where she wants to listen to it, so she doesn't pay attention to it. Well, she could start listening to Radio France on an iPhone or one of your Macs and airplay it to the kitchen. You would think that we've got it set up so that if you can listen to Radio France on your phone, just put it on airplay and the the receiver is right up on top of the fridge and you can listen to it in beautiful stereo, these nice little mini speakers and everything. Nobody uses it. I even rarely use it. It's because <laughs> the, of, of, the, of the damned dot. Um, it's it's taken over the 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 way we we we've we, it's like become the lowest common denominator for listening to music. It's our kitchen table radio. That's what yeah. it's turned into. And it's I'm, the convenience of it. It because if you want to play that radio station on the iPhone, it's tap tap, touch ID or face ID, tap tap, find it, tap airplay, tap wait until it goes in, tap tap play, adjust the volume, etc. Instead of just play FIP on tuning. Right. And that that got me thinking that, you know, the radio, I bought a radio this year. That's, what? Yeah, I bought a radio. I bought one of those Tiv Tivoli, is that how you say it? Ah, Tivoli, I love, I like that stuff. I bought the Model Dude. 1 because yeah. I, I've been listening, you know, sometimes I want to listen to sports broadcasts, you know, basketball games and stuff like that. They're fun to listen to on the radio. So I bought this because if I'm going to listen to radio, I might as well have a nice radio. And it's got an analog tuner, which I grew yep. up with. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm like a safe cracker, you know, listening with the analog tuner, just turning to trying to find the next station. I, I enjoy that. So I've got the, the radio and I found I don't listen to that either. I, it's all, it's damn dot. It's, <laughs> I, I'm just, so, so I've, been, I've been forced into this minimalism because now we don't, I either listen to music in my office privately or and people listen to their music privately in the room. So it's really kind of funny how it's evolved in my house, having that yeah. thing in my house. Yeah. We don't use it um, for ordering or anything like that. It's just strictly for music and controlling lights and things like that. I don't have Siri turned on on anything. So I can't do that because I just don't want Siri on. I don't want it listening to me. I don't want it recording me. I don't want it doing things accidentally because I said something. I don't have Alexa turned on on my Sonos one in the kitchen. I do the tap, tap, face ID, tap, 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 tap to get music when I'm cooking something in the kitchen. Made baked beans over the weekend. So put on a Steve Reich album. Um, it's perfect. So I can't end up with that. Because what would I listen to anyway? It, there's no radio station that I would listen to. I mean, if if you have an iOS device and Apple Music subscription, you can tell Siri, just play music. And that will play your personal radio station, which takes into account the stuff you listen to, the stuff you like and all that. And it's generally pretty good, as we've discussed in the past. But it's rare that I want to listen to random music like that. I'm just not that kind of listener. If I'm doing something in the kitchen, I want music that accompanies me in the kitchen, that says something, that, that fits my mood. Was it just the other day? It was the 40th anniversary of London Calling released. You know, there's a time you hear that, you see it on Twitter or you see an article. It's like, oh, I'm going to bake bread. I'm going to put London Calling on. Yeah, uh, well, I think there's still an interest in listening, hearing radio and getting that random. I don't know what to expect, but I know it's going to be something I will enjoy. You know what I mean? That's why people listen to the radio. Um, 
But see, I don't enjoy (laughs) radio here. Um, We don't have local radio. I mean, we have some little local volunteer radio station. We have national radio, and it's either noisy, overcompressed pop music, or I don't like listening to classical music on the radio. It's just not for me. So I just, I don't listen to radio, period. Yeah. Um, Well, the interesting thing about radio, first of all, I saw a headline the other day from one of the radio industry websites or something, and the gist of it was, radio listening continues to grow in upper demos. But what the headline should have been is, radio continues to decline in younger demos. And that really should have been the headline, because... I, I don't know where people... You can't buy a radio. You need a radio to listen to a radio. You can't buy one. I mean, I had to pay $100 for a decent table radio. You used to give them away at, at car dealerships. for crazy. But you can listen on your phone. Yeah, well, yeah, but what I'm saying is the the actual broadcast radio is not being listened to. It's, it's Right. So you're saying that people don't sit down, turn on the radio, and flip around to find what they want. Right. If you want to listen to your local radio station, you can find it on your phone. Probably. Or with your Alexa. But it's not the same as you get in your car and you press the preset buttons till you find one that's not playing Bruce Springsteen or something. Correct. And, you know, that sort of activity young people don't do at all. And this is radio as more than a music source. This is radio as an information source. This is radio as the glue that keeps a community together. Yeah, well, it's it's not... Talking about the local news and sports and all that. It's not just that, but it's also the device. People don't own the radio anymore. That's the... But the device is what picks up the broadcasts. So if you're not buying the device, the receiver, what's the point of broadcasting? And that's what's happening. Well, cars all have radios. We'll see how long that lasts. Cars will have radios as long as car dealers can sell cars that have radios in them. Yeah, but radios come standard now. But why would a radio station continue to want to broadcast? It's very expensive to run a radio station, by the way, just the electrical power. Why yeah. would you continue to do that when, when you could be on the Internet all the time? So then your car, your car's receiver, it becomes an antique. An obs- it doesn't... Why would you... Why would you need a device to pick up radio broadcasts if they stop doing that? Which I think they will. I I mean, I've been predicting this for 15 years, but I think at some point (laughs) the radio is going to be used as a strictly local information thing, not an entertainment sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't know. It's been so long that I haven't listened to radio regularly. Right. Me neither, actually. Every, the only time I hear it is when my wife turns yeah, it on in the no, car. You're, you're, you're in a metropolitan area of yeah. a major city. I've been living in rural areas for the past yeah. almost 20 years, where radio was pretty much limited. So back to actual music. You know, I was thinking in my list, I didn't go to a single concert this year. In previous years, I've always gone to a few concerts, whether they involved going to Birmingham, which is hour, hour and a half away, Manchester, two and a half hours, London, three hours-ish. There would always be something. And there was just nothing this year that caught my eye. I mean, Birmingham has a lot of classical music, but I go to classical music for performers. I don't go for specific works. Beethoven's Ninth, I don't really care about Beethoven's Ninth. I I, I'm not even a symphony guy. I want to see a pianist or a string quartet or something like that. Was it two years ago I saw Brad Meldow in Manchester? So th- this past year is absolutely nothing, and I kind of forgot about it. I do check what's up in Birmingham, and I think 
Steve Hackett tickets just went on sale. He's doing a tour where he's playing the whole Seconds Out album. Yeah. And tickets just went on sale for November of next year. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> I don't want to plan that far ahead. I mean, we plan six months ahead for theater tickets here. That's enough. But a year ahead for a concert? Well, you know, in the way that you plan a year ahead for a theatrical production, people plan no, ahead. No, I said six months for a theater most. At, okay, at well, most. what I mean is... Never just, a year. But your enthusiasm is the same as a person's enthusiasm to see Steve Hackett. But I don't even know if I'm going to live here in a year. <laughs> well, that's a whole different... You've got a whole different uh, factor yeah. you've got to consider. So. Okay. So I think the biggest news that affected us is the demise of iTunes, and I'll put links in the show notes to several episodes where we talked about that. The music app replaced iTunes for music, the TV app for videos, the books app for audiobooks, and the podcast app for what you're listening to right now if you're listening on an Apple device. We've got gripes. Overall, we're more or less satisfied. It's like, okay, move on. The same number of gripes I had before is just that they're different, slightly different, and yeah. they're not even, they don't amount to much. I mean, I think they had to do what they had to do, and it's working out fine for me. I mean, I've been working pretty closely with it over the past, since June. And, to update your Apple script, link in the right, show notes. Exactly. And um, I, there are a few problems here and there, but nothing that prevents me from listening to my favorite songs. <laughs> exactly. I'm not really too concerned about it. Yeah. I noticed that in thinking back, I definitely bought even fewer CDs this past year, and I'm not counting the big Beethoven box set that I bought, but I've really bought very few CDs. I've been listening to streaming more. I'm still listening to a lot of music from my library, but more and more I'm getting into that habit of, okay, I've got an article to write. What would be good music to accompany me? And this is often my listening at work, is trying to find something that's adequate for what I'm going to be doing. And rather than browse my library, I generally go to For You on Apple Music, and I say, does anything show up here that I want to see? I'd say half the time I find something, half the time I don't. And I go back to my library, and I've been inspired maybe, oh, well, this album by so-and-so, maybe if I listen to that album by the other guy. But I've definitely been streaming more. I did, however, notice that I haven't made any memorable music discoveries. And I, I think I want to do an episode about this soon. I'm going to write something about how... People today cannot take the time to truly ingest a record album anymore. Hmm. I mean, how many times does it take to listen to an album, to really get it 10, 15, 20 times? And we can't do that because there's just so much. You know, we give out next track picks every week, and some of them are things that I do listen to a lot, and some of them are things... I've just discovered and I listened to once or twice. And by the time I get around the whole rotation to come back to something like that, because there's so much, yeah. you know, I'd, I'd be dead. <laughs> you know, people used to complain. It's like, how do, you, how do you have so much music? You'll never listen to it. It turns out they're kind of right. Uh, <laughs> I mean, and they used to humiliate us. It's like, oh, you, you have 10,000 tracks. That's crazy. You're never going to listen to all. Yeah, well, um, I'm still looking for new music, too. And it's funny. I... But I do. I, I will find something and then kind of hook it and keep playing it. But not a lot. Um, I, I, you know, over the past year, I got, and I, I've got a vow not to listen to any more 70s music. But over the past year, a lot of my picks have been the 70s music that I've overlooked or forgotten about or rediscovered. And one of the things that I found is a lot of it is very listenable, even though at the time I didn't pay any attention to it, but I'm finding well, my goodness, this stuff is great. Jojo Gunn is the band that I'm thinking of in particular and I'm more amazed because of their connection um, uh, to the James Gang and the Eagles because they all had the same producer 
And so, you know, listening to these albums, and then also the connection that Jojo Gunn has with the band Spirit, which I also think is another interesting band from the 60s. So, I mean, I did kind of get involved with them as an example, but not much else, really. It's just that I was captivated by, by their history and the personnel. But generally, that happens like once a week. <laughs> you know, when I was a teenager, you'd be that absorbed in something, you know, once a week. And that just doesn't happen anymore. And I guess it's because we have other things to do. Well, it's because we have so much. I mean, I, I have yeah. a very good memory of, for some reason, this one sticks with me. When I got John Cale's Music for a New Society, this would have been 1982, I think. And this was a really strange record. I think I picked it as an X-Track pick. I'll put a link in the show notes. If you don't know it, listen to it. And I kind of remember staying in my bedroom. I was sharing an apartment with a friend on the Upper West Side of Manhattan and playing this over and over and over for weeks and pretty much nothing else until until I could hum every song. Didn't get all the lyrics, but until I could hum every song, you know, from beginning to end, I knew where side one ended, where side two began. And there were periods like that in my life when, you know, specific albums would just be on permanent rotation because because that's just what we did. Mm-hmm. And I can't do that anymore. If, if, if I find something I really like, I will listen to it a few times now, but getting it to that point where it's going to become a reflex to go back and listen to it, that's just too difficult. There's too much stuff. That's right. The ref- Yeah, the reflex is gone. Yeah. The, the thing... Uh, I got to go listen to that. I want to listen to something like this. Oh, that's the one, right? And, and that's not there anymore. And related to that on my list, I have noted no memorable music discoveries this year. And that's not entirely true. There are some next track picks, but nothing that's really changed my life in the sense that I'll be listening to it in 10 years and artists that I'm going to follow. And there's just too much. Yeah. There's too much. One positive comment about Apple Music, they have this thing called the Chill Mix. Chill Mix is the sort of laid back stuff, and it's based in part on what you listen to, what you like, and, you know, the whole I think of it as thing. I think of it as your favorites with the alpha value cut in half. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's up it's updated on Sundays and I generally find this to be a nice playlist of music and lately it's mostly been jazz and I don't know how they do this. Sometimes it's like half classical, sometimes it's sort of ambient, but in the past few weeks it's been all jazz. And it's interesting in a couple of ways because I have been discovering some new names, jazz musicians I don't know. In fact, my next track pick doesn't come from this, but it'll be related. I don't listen to any of the other For You mixes. I don't really want to listen to the Friends mix because I don't really care what my friends listen to. It's not entirely true. I mean, I do care what you listen to, Doug, because it gives me ideas. But the fact that you listen to the Brandenburg and Shadow Number 5 in DBWV 1050 at some point recently, and it shows up in my Friends mix, does not mean that I want to listen to it in any way. The... New music mix, every once in a while, I'll go through that when I really have nothing to do. And the problem with that is they mix genres. So you'll get like six blues out, uh, six blues songs, and then you'll get like 12 classical, and then you'll get three jazz. And, and I can't listen like that. And anyway, classical stuff in a playlist doesn't work. Occasionally, I listen to the favorites mix. That's like if I'm in the car. So I know that whatever's going to come on for, you know, the time I'm in the car isn't going to be something I don't like. Although there's a U2 track coming up there. How is that possible? 
It's not a favorite. Um, the thing about favorites is, though, I think they expect people to listen to this playlist over and over again, and I can't do it. I can only listen to it once, and I can't. I don't want. Then I don't want to hear those songs again for three weeks. I want to take them out of rotation. But it changes every week. It updates every Tuesday. Yeah, but no. I mean, I mean, in twenty minutes later, I want to hear a different favorite yeah. mix. Yeah. Well, that's the the radio tell Siri yeah, to play yeah. play some music, but at times it just plays the same ten songs over and over for me. It depends. Sometimes well, like your radio, like a radio station. <laughs> well, radio stations. What do you do? Out of you'd play what twenty songs? No, fifteen songs an hour, right? About tops the most. Okay, so twelve songs an hour, but every hour there would be like three or four that would be different. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, look at it this way. Any radio station is probably not going to play more than 500 songs at any okay. given point. Yeah. So, you know, they'll move it, stuff in and out, yeah. but at the time, there'll be about five. That's And that's a lot. Yeah. Okay. Should we go on to our next tracks? I think we should probably do that. Okay. My next track this week is, as we've said in the past, sometimes it's things we have been listening to, and sometimes it's things that we are going to listen to. And this week... Partly inspired by my chill mix, which was all jazz, I went looking around to find some interesting jazz piano trio groups. The jazz piano trio is my favorite subgenre of jazz. Bill Evans, uh, Brad Meldow, people like that. And there are all sorts of jazz piano trios, and some of them are almost like smooth jazz, and some of them are really wildly improvisational. And I was looking around and I came across an album, and this is from 2013, called Trilogy by Chick Corea and his trio, which is Christian McBride on double bass and Brian Blade on drums. It is a three CD album, Trilogy being, I guess that's like three people, three CDs, etc. And I put that on this morning, I listened to two tracks, and it was like, ah, that's it. That's a good jazz piano trio. Not too wild, not too schmaltzy, creative. Before I found this, I was actually listening to some Keith Jarrett, the complete Blue Note recordings. Keith Jarrett is an extraordinary musician, but while he plays, you hear him in the background going, Yeah. (laughs) And while I can deal with Glenn Gould humming along when he plays the Goldberg Variations, I cannot deal with Keith Jarrett's, Um, So this Chick Corea thing is really, really good. And and I haven't listened to, uh, I said I listened to two tracks of 20 minutes. There's, let's see, 17 tracks altogether. The second to last is a piano sonata called The Moon. It's a 30-minute work that he wrote. There's also a, on the second disc, there is a Opus 11 number 9 by Alexander Scribb. And I think it's a prelude. It's about 10 minutes long. He was 73 years old when he recorded this. It's kind of amazing. And I think we discussed this not long ago about how many jazz musicians are really old. He's now 78 and he's still touring. He His chops are really amazing. And so after I found this record, I re- found that there was also a Trilogy 2 that came out in October, which is only two discs. So- Wait a minute. It's a second trilogy that's only two discs. That's wrong, exactly. like, all over. I know. I know. But, to see, that suggests that the name trilogy is more about the three people than the uh, three... Oh, that's so jazzy, man. 
Exactly, right? But I do like Chick Corea. He's got he's got those yeah. chops and he's got that I wish I was a musician to be able to say what that chord is that he plays. <laughs> it's like a yeah. major seven suspended fourth or something that, that yeah. you know, you hear it a lot. It's like it's just yeah, that, yeah. You that chord's got it. that you tension that comes can't in. Hum a chord. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you could, though. That would be great if you could hum chords. Wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah. Well, y- right. you could get a group of people to hum chords. They call oh, them barbershop yeah, well, quartets. Oh, that would be fun. Okay. All anyway, right. so that's my next track pick. I will listen to the rest of Trilogy later, and then Trilogy 2 maybe tomorrow. Doug, got something interesting? Yeah, uh, I think so. I, uh, I One of the one of the guys I, I regret not knowing a lot about from the 70s again uh, is Harry Nelson. And he... Um, well, I, I, he did a lot of writing, and he wrote a lot of famous songs. Uh, I mean, that's, that's Harry Nelson. He was buddies with John Lennon, and there was a, a period in John Lennon's life which is known as the Lost Weekend period, where I think Yoko kicked him out, and he was he had to go out and fend for himself. And he became he did a lot of drinking, and he did a lot of hanging out in California with a lot of these uh, a lot of these crazy musicians and one of them was Harry Nilsson and they put out an album together and it's called Pussycats and um, it's it's wacky it's a very wacky record there's an interesting version of Subterranean Homesick Blues on it that I'm sure you'll appreciate Kirk but all of these there's so many people on this album Jim Keltner is on it uh, Keith Moon Ringo Starr of course I, I imagine um, you know the usual uh, uh, fringe people from the Beatles and a lot of the LA people that got together. I've listened to this album a couple of times and I'm I'm really fascinated by what the heck they were thinking about because it's so I don't know what they were thinking about, quite frankly. There's a, a, a an awful version of Rock Around the Clock that ends the album. It's, apparently it's every musician they could find and got him into the studio and just recorded this crazy version of Rock Around the Clock. Um uh, loop-de-loop, here we go, loop-de-loo, here we go, loop-de-loo. They do a version of that. Again, I don't know what they were thinking. It came out in 1974. It was produced by John Lennon, who didn't know what he was doing, and Harry Nilsson, who was looking for, you know, someone to tell him what to do. They were both had drinking problems. This is what they came up with. It's a pretty interesting album. Harry Nilsson from 1974, This was episode number 166 of The Next Track. Thanks for listening. Your comments are always welcome. You can start or join a conversation on this episode's show page at our website. You'll also find links to some of the things we talked about in the show notes for this episode. Just visit thenexttrack.com. If you like the show, and we hope you do, we'd appreciate it if you gave us a rating or a review if you're so inclined, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you can't leave a review, tell a few friends about us. I'm Doug Adams, and for Kirk McElhern, thanks again. We'll talk to you next time.